Well, it was somewhere in the fall of 2003. Christy and I had just been married in September, and it was going great. We were in the honeymoon phase. Things couldn't be better. We came from two totally different households, at least in one aspect. Um, one of us came from a, from a sleepy mountain town with a stay-at-home mom. The other came from a family who shoved as much activities into life as their kids could possibly want to do. That is, that is my family. And one thing definitely was different. Christy's family treated dinner as a special special occasion, one that was a highlight and the cap to the day where everyone can come together and just talk and, and, and relate. My family, dinner was something that we squeezed in, whether it's fast food, going to practice in between activities, or even just trying to get home, get dinner made, shove it in our mouths, and then go to bed. That's, that's how it went in my, in my family. So I came home one night, and Christy had made this incredible meal. She made spaghetti. And we sat down, and she started telling me everything she had to do to make this meal from scratch, from the, the peeling of the tomatoes and the simmering all day and, and just the whole nine yards. And in my mind... I started to feel bad, like really bad. Like, why, why would you do all this for me? And, and before I could, could stop myself, something very dumb came out of my mouth. And it, it was those words, why, why would you do this? The stuff out of the can just tastes just as, just as good. Dumb, yes, dumb. I know that now. I, but I didn't then because there was one thing that was missing. I didn't understand the gift that was given to me on that table. I, I didn't. And I didn't understand the heart behind that gift, and it made me do something incredibly stupid. And I know everyone can laugh, but if you've got to admit you've been there somewhere before. You have said something you wish you could take back. You said something in the context of not knowing the true heart behind something that was given to you or something that was done to you. And we've been offended ourselves by not understanding the heart behind a gift or an action that was done to us. And to be honest, we, we do that with God. We can really miss the heart behind what he is doing in our lives and even the hard stuff. We look at a situation and wonder why. Why, why God, do you do stuff like that? Why, why, why have you given this to me? And I, I have a parable for you today. And it's a well-known parable, and a parable is a story told by Jesus to relay truth, spiritual truth. And the parable I have is the parable of the talents. Everyone knows it as 
us using our gifts. And of course, that's, that's what it is. But I would really love to step back and take a look at the heart behind this matter. So we're going to start off with Matthew 25, verse 14. And again, it will be like a man going on a journey. So let's back up a little bit. This parable is in the middle of a few parables that are all kind of focusing on when Jesus returns to us. One of the parables kind of goes through it as what if the Son of Man returns too early or earlier than we expect? What if he returns later than we expect? And this one right here is what's going to happen when he returns. So this is a string of parables kind of right in the middle of them. Um, he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and another one bag, each according to his abilities, and then he went on his journey. So these bags of gold, this is a very wide net. This really means any gift or talent or anything that we have been given in our lives, he is giving those things to his servants, and he expects them to use them. Verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, once and put his money to work and gave five bags more at once. Super important to the story. He went at once. That means at once. So he had his gifts and he went and started doing the master's work and and expanding the master's kingdom through the gifts that the master gave him. So also, so in the same way, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Again, same thing. At once, he went. He did it because those two understood the master's heart. They understood the gift that was given to them and they understood the reason why it was given. But, verse 18 says, the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. He took what was given to him and went out and did, did his work, the work entrusted to him. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And that last line right there, come and share with your master's happiness. It goes a few different ways depending on which version. Some say come and share in your master's joy. Some of the commentaries you read actually talks about it as this otherworldly joy. So this is, again, a parable talking about Jesus coming back. This servant of Jesus gets to share in the joy of Jesus because of the work well done. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. Same way as master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, this is where things get a little, little iffy. There's definitely two different um, levels of giftings here. But in the end, it's the same reward. They both understood the heart of the master and the reason why that gift was given. They went out and did what they were supposed to do. And then they get to enjoy the happiness or the joy of Jesus. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. Here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvested where I have not sown and I gathered where I have not, sca- I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one with 10. For whoever will be given more, whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I don't know what to do with that. Because on the surface, on the surface, the master is hard. But if we look back and how he dealt with the other two, we can understand that the master wasn't. The master's very generous. The master wants to celebrate. The master wants his servants to be part of his kingdom and part of his glory. But for whatever reason, this guy, he decided to bury it pop open a can of Pringles and go play Fortnite all night. Now there's, there's, we really can't understand. We see the lazy part. We, we don't really know why this guy did what he did, but it, I always, in my personality, I always ask why. Trust me. All my coworkers get annoyed because why? Why are we doing that? Why did this happen? I don't know. Maybe he wasn't happy with his share. Because if you look at it by comparing ourselves, and we've all done this before, he got his one talent, another guy got double what he received, and the other guy got five of them. Again, on the surface, why would you not be mad? Unless you understood how much that one talent is worth. See, the talent, it's a, it's a weight measurement of gold. And we don't exactly know what that was, but we're pretty sure 
it is in within a good range. And the estimates put that one talent, that one bag of gold at about $1.4 million in today's society. So if that's why he's upset, he didn't understand the gift he was given. He didn't understand the heart behind the gift. So where does that, where do we go with that? Well, we can look, again, we all have compared. We have all looked at the giftings that other people have, and we all look and see these people that we, we think have so much more than us. These five talent people, and I was talking to John Neal, the baseball coach at, at Bueller this week, and we kind of went through that, and the, the subject was five tool players. I don't know if, if you know baseball, but five tool players are supposedly players that can do everything and do it well. The problem with that is there's barely any five-tool players. So if you're looking to want to be a five-tool player, it's probably not going to happen. And when I asked him, what would you rather have, a couple five-tool players or a bunch of two-tool, really talented two-tool players, he said he'd take the two. Because what those two tool players can do with those talents can outweigh what just a small handful of five tool people can do. Don't let the enemy ever tell you that what you have is not enough because it's enough. And again, most of us sitting here right now, if not all of us, we're one or we're two talent people. That's what we are. That's what we've been gifted with. And what matters is that we use those with everything we have. You know how we bury our talents today? We bury it right here in this building. We show up on Sunday and we feel like being here is what we're called to. And we may even throw in a Bible study or two or four or 10 through the week, and we think that's what we're called to. I was going to try to, to do this illustration, but there is one guy that I really love his version of it. So we're just going to show it right now. Why does that work in church and not anywhere else? Look, when, when, when my daughter comes to me and I say, hey, go, go clean your room. She knows better. She, she's not going to come back a couple hours later and say, Hey, Dad, I memorized what you said to me. You said, go clean your room. You know, what am I going to say? Oh, good job. That's what I wanted. No. And, and she's not going to come to me and say, Dad, I can say, go clean your room in Greek. Listen, that's not going to fly. And, and what if she says, you know what? My friends and I, we're going to gather together and every week we're going to have a study and we're going to figure out what it would look like if I cleaned my room. <laughs> no, none of that's going to fly. Just go and clean it. She knows that. So why do we think that this type of thinking or this type of talk is going to work with Jesus? 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge puffs up, loves builds, love builds up. And the idea behind this is no matter how much we take in of this, this is a very special gift that's been given to us. This is why we know so much. 
about the master? Why we know so much about Jesus. But if we just get that in here, and it, it never comes down through our hearts, it never gets lived out because living it out is what plants it in our hearts. It's, it's the action that puts the love to Jesus' words. One example of this is end times theory. I don't care what your theory is about the end times when Jesus is coming, but no matter what it is, if we look at that theory, if we look at those scriptures with only knowledge in mind, then we start to lose our reason. We start to see those people who we're supposed to go after as the enemy trying to take our Christianity from us, trying to take our world from us rather than the, the, the one that is lost out there that deserves to be saved, that Jesus wants us to go after. But if we look at the same scriptures and bring in that knowledge and look at it through love, then our whole outlook changes. And instead of a defensive game, our game then becomes offensive and we are now on the attack trying to save as many people as possible before that day comes. I have an example of that and it's in a video form, of course. Keep your eye on the guy to the left. That is a one-talent guy. That is all he has, but he does it to everything of his ability. His game, that game is offensive. It is to put as many balls in the hoop as you can, and that is the way we have to look at our end times theory. It's not about sitting and waiting out the world for it to end and Jesus coming back. It is to look for every lost sheep there is and bring them into this fold. That is what looking through those scriptures and love means. If we really know the master's heart, and if we really know the reason why we were given that, these gifts, the way we would live them out would look totally different than what they do now. So what does this mean for us? How do we know the master's heart? And of course it is, a lot of it is right here. But it's in slowing down and reading these scriptures for what they actually mean. And then taking what God has put in us into our head and living them out is where we will fully know what he has for us. I don't know what your gifts are. Like I said, most of us are one talent people. Some of us are two, very few of us are, are five. But what matters is whatever that talent is. And some of you are sitting there going, oh, like, I'm not very good at that. I can't come up here and preach. I can't, all I can do is, is listen, because I can't even talk very well. Then use that talent, be that shoulder. 
Be the one that comes in and lets people know that their heavenly father listens to them and they see that example in what you do. There is no talent that is below any other. It is what we do with those talents that matter. And we're going we're gonna to get ready for another round of baptisms here. But honestly, the shirt I have on, I, I realize it's confusing. As we were going through our, our meeting for our volunteers earlier, I got asked if I was a bouncer because it just says to move out of your... Yeah, that's, that's not what this is, I promise. What this is is we just took a bunch of high schoolers to a thing called CIY. It's a, it's a conference, and it's called MOVE. The whole thing with this com- conference, they exist to light kids on fire and send them out to the world, and they do an incredible job. An incredible job. And as we're going through it, Brandon has taken, taken high schoolers to this thing before, and I went with him, and he, he, he said that you'll, you'll be shocked. It's 100% of the kids will have an encounter with God, and I, I didn't believe him. Oh, man. The first night, there was an actual sermon. Our boys are in the row behind the girls, and they are bawling. Boys that I have never seen cry before, and these are boys that that I've known well because they're all my son's age. They had an encounter with God. And through the rest of that conference, it is them sending out these high schoolers to do what they were created to. It's to understand the master and then to understand the gifts they are given and why they were given those gifts. Church, I got a question for you. Are we going to be the body? Are we going to be a church that these kids come back to and are able to move with? Are they going to come back to this group of people and see a group of of followers on fire doing what they now know that they're supposed to do? Or are they going to come back to a church who just shows up on Sunday? And I don't believe that's you. I've seen incredible things done through this group of people. One of those coming up is Convoy of Hope. There's going to be incredible things done there. Our serve day coming up, there's going to be incredible things there. But to be honest, that's just the beginning. And we've got to get to a point where we're just doing it. We've got to get to a point where in our everyday lives, we are ready to see what God has in front of us and ready to share the good news and use our talents to introduce them to this incredible, incredible God we have. Are you ready? And we've had baptism after baptism after baptism and we've got plenty more to go in the weeks to come. 
life change is happening. And it's happening in this room and because of the people in it. So we're gonna go on and we're gonna have baptisms again. And then we're gonna go out and we're gonna have some ice cream. But then we're gonna go out into this world with the talents we've been given. And we have a choice every day to use those for their intended purposes and not to bury them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. I don't know what all the talents are in this room, but I know one, one thing, actually two. They're from you and they are meant to do incredible things. And two, our talents are so much more powerful when they are put together and used as your body. Oh, fill us. Fill us for the journey ahead. Fill us for whatever you may put in front of us. Whether it's the coworker at the desk across the hall, another student in class as, as school gets going, whether it's our kids or our family, our friends or our neighbors. But let us not bury what we have, what you've given us, but let us use it. Use it with everything we have because we understand your heart and how you see these people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.